And welcome back. This is Mike with another episode of the Turntable Teachers. Class is officially back in session. Of course, we here hope everyone is safe and healthy, whoever might be listening across the world uh, during this time, this obviously this coronavirus pandemic. Whichever platform you use to listen to podcasts, it would be awesome if you could subscribe and leave a five-star rating if applicable. Make sure you follow our socials on Instagram at Turntable Teachers, as well as our website, www.turntableteachers.com, to keep up with all the latest of our show. Today's episode is going to be part one of a two-part episode where I'm going to be recapping some of the biggest releases that have come out in the first quarter of the year, starting from, of course, like January 1st to the end of March. Of course, I'd love to do every album possible or as many as I possibly can, but I've narrowed it down to about four albums, highlighting my overall kind of thoughts about each album, breaking down each one, and then kind of listing favorite tracks, least favorite tracks, and then, of course, at the very end, scoring it. Of course, this is just my opinion. Uh, I would love to hear in the comments sections that we'll put on Instagram and YouTube what you guys think of some of these albums and what your overall takes are. Basically, the start of this year has been, I'd say, okay for music. Uh, Obviously, Cody and I talked about uh, our 2019 favorite albums a couple of months ago. And, you know, to me, 2020 so far, there haven't been a lot of there's been a lot of solid albums, but nothing that's really like groundbreaking yet. There's been a few I don't want to give away quite yet, but you know, it's one of those years so far. I think 2020 is just going to end up being a weird year, guys. <laughs> I don't know about you, but to start off on a good note, especially for rap fans, and especially older fans of, of hip hop for the last 20 years, uh, Lil Wayne and Eminem both dropped albums at the top of 2020. I'm not going to really review Lil Wayne's just because, uh, unfortunately, I didn't care for it. Uh, I tried getting through most of it, and it, it just was definitely a chore to listen to and not one that I personally want to talk about. So, again, not my cup of tea, not my favorite from Wayne. But I did really want to talk about Eminem's project, Music to be Murdered, by came out January 17th. These four albums I'm going to talk about are going to obviously be in order just by release date. Uh, actually, three of these albums were released all on January 17th. So in that case, I'm just kind of going to go by alphabetical order here. So again, these the way I'm reviewing these, of course, my opinion, but no in no particular order. So music to be murdered by. So this got a lot of hype, obviously, right when it right out the gate when it came out. It's really nice to see Eminem dropping like relevant music uh, in, in this new decade. Obviously, because last decade I think was very up and down for him. I'm just gonna come out and say this though. I do think that this is his best project since probably Recovery, which was at the start of last decade, 2010. And obviously, Revival took a big dip for him. That wasn't a great project by any means. Um, you know, most critics felt the same about it. I think Kamikaze got some mixed reviews. Personally, I liked Kamikaze. I liked the vast majority of Kamikaze. 
And to me, I thought that that was like a step in the right direction. Of course, before Revival as well, kind of uh, sandwiched in between Recovery and Revival was the Marshall Mathers LP2, which was a solid release. Uh, I definitely, looking back on it, did did enjoy it quite a bit, but uh, certainly was not up to par with, my opinion, Kamikaze, which was probably the best album. Or Really, I liked Recovery the best, but Kamikaze being the most recent kind of gave me a clue as to like maybe where Eminem was going to go with this music to be murdered by project, which, like I said, I actually think is definitely his best since recovery. Uh, even I think uh, rap music, uh, they have a Instagram, obviously rap TV, and they did a really cool uh, March Madness bracket. I'm sure most people saw and ended up being Eminem versus Lil Uzi Vert. And of course, at Lil Uzi Vert just is so relevant right now and, and hitting on all strides in terms of his reach right now. But Eminem, the fact that he even got to the finale kind of does show you that there is still a huge fan base for Eminem right now. And rightfully so, man, because there's a ton of great tracks on this thing. I really enjoyed this project for the most part. Uh, I will say this, in a generation where there's a lot of albums and just music in general that drops, I, I do feel like smaller, shorter projects definitely tend to kind of reign supreme right now. And this album, it's it's a decently long runtime. It's just a little over an hour. It's about 20 tracks with a few skits. I really think this probably could have been like a 12-track album, like similar to the length of Kamikaze. And I think it would have been so much better, even though there is still so many positives to kind of come away from here. Uh, obviously, there's tracks like one of the singles was Darkness, which depicts like the uh, the Las Vegas shooter story from a couple of years ago and kind of like getting into his psyche about like why exactly somebody like this nature would do such a horrific thing. You know, I, I think it obviously it fits the, the theme super well of the album. I think Eminem actually delivers here one of his best sung hooks that he's had in quite a long time. Probably most notably uh, beautiful from Relapse, maybe being like one of the better sung ver- uh, hooks he's had in quite a long time. So really since then, I think this is one of those the better ones. It's got a gorgeous piano. There's some dark heavy 808s on this track. That was definitely, I think, a highlight for me. I really enjoyed this cut a lot. And I thought it was really cool as well to see Eminem get some older guys on there. I think he had a good mix of older guy rappers in the game that have been, you know, kind of staples for a long time. And he really does this in kind of three posse cuts, essentially, which is what I would kind of conclude here. Uh, the first that come up in, in the track listing being You Gonna Learn with uh, Royce the Five Nine and White Gold. White Gold's hook here, man. I'm super into this this uh, this hook. I think it's really catchy. I think it's just super well written as well. It really it fits melodically well with that really cool guitar that kind of comes in. And listen, Royce the Five Nine is on all three of these posse cuts, quote unquote. And uh, you know, for lack of a better term, he murders all three. I know that was cringy. I'm so sorry, but uh, <laughs> he really, he really does though. He murders all three of his verses. Kind of reminded me more of like the Bad Meets Evil days where uh, Eminem and Royce would, would collab. And then Yaya's the next one that comes up, like the next posse cut with with kind of the older cats that come in on the track listing. The song features Royce again, of course, and then it has Black Thought of The Roots and Q-Tip from Tribe Called Quest. And then Danan Porter, who, you know, has kind of been in the shady realm for, I'd say, the last 10 years or so. This is essentially like an attribute to like the golden era. Uh, I love the Busta Rhymes sample that's used here. I think Danan Porter kind of takes on that 
uh, that persona and that uses that sample quite nicely on here. Again, I think Royce has another great verse here. Black Thought has a really awesome verse as well that really kind of adds to the song. I like Q-Tip's bridge to the hook. I think that's super cool as well. To me, though, I think Eminem actually is the weakest on this song just because I think the last half of his verse, he's just kind of like naming old artists and kind of bringing it back to like the golden era, which I get, but I don't really know what that adds in terms of like this, like like lyrically, it's nothing special to me. Uh, I do like the kind of the overall sound and sort of the energy that Yaya has. And I, but to me, the best of the three posse cuts is definitely I Will. Which shows up at the very end of the track listing here. I think it's dark, it's somber. I love those like muffled out keys that are used in the hook, especially. I think it's super aggressive. And all four guys on this track, uh, M, Royce the 5'9, uh, Joel Ortiz, and King Crooked really bring their A games and kind of like are trying to better each other and again though i do think royce the five nine shines yet again here like with his delivery there's a he's got some awesome tempo on this verse where he switches his flow uh super unreal i love the line where yeah the where am i going with this will ferrell line it really this line depicts like his delivery and tempo as i just kind of stated and and i think that this song is just one of the definitely the highlights here i think he does a phenomenal job of kind of crafting some of these posse cuts and including them pretty methodically throughout the track listing here to kind of break up some of the uh not really storyline he's using but kind of the theme he does a really nice job too of bringing like like i said earlier uh like that nice balance of new and old uh, he brings Don Tolliver on, uh, No Regrets, which I think is another great highlight. He gets super deep about like kind of how people view him now. He talks about his relationship with Dr. Dre. I think Don Tolliver's hook is really well done. Uh, I think his vocal inflections definitely add to some beautiful uh, tones for sure. Lock It Up with Anderson Pack. Oh my God, this is maybe one of my favorite tracks on the whole project. Obviously, any of old listeners of ours know that Anderson Pack, that's my boy, that's our boy. It's smooth, it's groovy. I think Pac's hook is phenomenal. It kind of, the hook comes in a lot harder, like instrumentally with, with Pac sort of kind of riding that beat. Eminem's rapping it's a little bit more like that smooth groovy uh, feeling to it I really love this track a ton and then of course got to talk about Godzilla uh, the unexpected juice world feature I was a little bit intrigued by this when I saw it originally I was like I don't know how I'm gonna feel about this but again this is another huge highlight for me uh, of course Juice World's hook is really like well done with M's I think M kind of brings in some ad-libs really well into like this hook to kind of really show some cohesiveness with Juice World. And- you get in my way, I'm gonna feed you 
consider monster. I'm normal during the day, but at night turn to a monster. monster. When the moon shines like ice world truckers, I look like a villain out of those blockbusters. I Well, that means take a backseat, take a back to fat beats with a maxi single. Look at my rap sheet, what attracts these people is my gangster bitch, like a patchy with a catchy jiggle. I stack chips, you better got a half eat Cheeto. Filling with the venom and eliminate him. Other words, I'm intimate him. I don't want to hurt him, but I did him in a fitter rage. I'm murdering again. Nobody will have been a fitter. Kill him and dump with the fucking bodies in the league. Obliterating everything is generator. Renegade him. Hit him again. Anybody who wanted with the pen and frame. Don't nobody want it, but they're gonna get it anyway. Cause I'm beginning to feel like I'm mentally ill. I'm a killer. killer be killer. I'm a killer. Be the vanilla gorilla. You're bringing the killer within me. Out of me. You don't want to be the enemy of the demon who winning me. I'll be under receiving enemy. What stupidity get to be? Every bit of me's the epitome of a spitter when I'm in the vicinity. Motherfucker, you better duck or you finna be dead the minute you run into me. 100% of you is a fifth of a percent of me. I'm about to fucking finish you, bitch. I'm available. You want to battle? I'm available. I'm blowing up like an inflatable. I'm undebatable. I'm unavoidable. I'm unavoidable. I'm on the toilet wall. I got a trailer full of money and I'm paid for. I'm not afraid to pull. He has like the just the flow case towards the end of this. I mean, I don't know even. Sometimes I have to read the genius just to figure out what exactly he's saying. Uh, but essentially, you know, he's kind of obviously Eminem has done this many times where he's just kind of showing you that he can pack as many syllables and words and bars into his verses and really just kind of proving once again that he's like probably the best spitter of all time, if not one of the top five, ten at the very like least you know what i'm saying i even think he broke the record for like most syllables like used or, or said in like a, a short amount of time or something like that but yeah man so godzilla a really great song as well that was a super big highlight for me uh and then of course it comes with most eminem albums these days there was some points where that are a little bit unfocused or uninspired like like a song like little engine which i didn't really find like super captivating or like a song i would be coming back to a ton leaving heaven with skylar gray that kind of felt like another just throwaway skylar gray cut like it sounded the essentially the same type of song that these guys these two have done before it, it's nothing really new here and then stepdad song about You know, this is like when Eminem's getting more towards like his relapse, like some of the more cringier stuff he was doing back then. I don't particularly like this song at all. I think the vocals he uses on the hook, yeah, those, a uh, little bit grating. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of it at all. So I, again, I think that this this album would have benefited from a little bit of cutting. It could have been a little bit more tighter and concise. I do love this album, though, overall. I think this is a good release from Eminem, and I have been coming back to it since it came out about three months ago. I did really enjoy it. I think some of the best tracks here, like I, I talked about earlier, I Will, Lock It Up, Godzilla, Darkness, and No Regrets are kind of the keepers here. Overall, I'm going to probably get, slide in with about a B- minus here, maybe like an 81. I do think there's a lot of great features for this album. Uh, there's a lot of really dark and cool production that I think is really noteworthy. And Eminem does a phenomenal job, kind of captivating. Does have some focused storytelling that is really solid here. But this is nothing in the way of like a classic Eminem project. I wouldn't say it's top three, probably not even top five. Is it good for 2020? Sure. I, I think that there is a place for this album and you clearly can see it with his supporters still supporting him now to this day and in, in a day and age where there's so many rappers that 
probably could have overshadowed him by now. It's, it's amazing that he still has proven this longevity over time. So again, I think a decent project here. He has something to work with, I think, going forward. If he wants to put out more music, I would be okay with that. Because at, at one point, I think the revival days, I was like, man, I don't know if I need any more Eminem. I really felt that way. And Eminem, as people like people that know me, M's one of like my staple rap artists that kind of got me into hip hop. So, you know, it, it's hard. It was hard to say that. Now I think I'm kind of singing a different tune. I definitely enjoy what he's bringing to the table in this decade. Uh, you know, so the old hey, the old man still got it. He can spit with the best of them. And yeah, this I think if you have not checked out this album, I do think that this one is one to, to take a listen to, especially if you are an old school hip hop fan or you like Eminem and you maybe haven't gotten around to it. I certainly would give this thing a shot because there's definitely a lot to kind of take from here that that you can keep and is noteworthy. So definitely a solid release from Marshall Mathers, aka Slim Shady. And following up with on Eminem, the next album I want to talk about uh, came out on the same day and is Halsey's Manic. So this album was interesting, uh, not so much in the way of Joyner Lucas, which is an album I'll talk about on a different episode coming up soon, uh, spoiler alert, but there were some tracks here that were added that, like like a song like Without Me, for example, right, that came out in like 2018, but still managed to make it on here. I was a little bit weary about that uh, in terms, of, and then like a song like Graveyard, which came out in 29, like, like kind of mid-2019, I think it was like September. Clementine was shortly after that and then she dropped a bunch of singles like towards like the back end of 2019 with finally Be- beautiful stranger and then sugar's interlude uh but and then of course before bringing up another single you should be sad so I didn't hear all the singles before I jumped into the album I think the only two I'd heard prior were without me in graveyard but that did give me pause because I was a bit concerned that this project might not be anything super new or like innovative that we haven't heard from Halsey before so there was definitely a bit for me uh drawback when you I think that it depends on it it can be a double-edged sword I think if you sort of over promote your album it could be a problem like like putting out too many singles but at the same time again if you're an artist that can kind of just drop um without saying much like like a J. Cole right or a Kanye uh, or even a Childish Gambino, which we'll get, again, spoiler, we'll get to a little bit down the line here and in the next episode. But to me, I don't know if Halsey obviously is that kind of artist. I think she's big enough to probably do it. And then on the flip side of that, did she over-promote her album a bit? Um, so that was really a concern coming into this. Um, of course, I know that her relationship with g Easy was kind of a big influence to a lot of not only the sounds to this album but also the content i know that that was a huge kind of part in her process in terms of kind of coping with you know the split of the two of them and i you know uh, you know there's two sides to every story but according to this album it seems like he was a little bit uh i wouldn't say abusive but 
definitely on the side of not kind of tending to her needs and giving her what she wants or really even uh, just her just really struggling with this romantic loss is really kind of the major point of this album and she even touches on a lot of other things kind of like saw like her lack of self-confidence on some songs and her lack of even like self-love this release this album it's a very vivid and sometimes troubling listen in terms of the subject matter like she does get very specific and i'll talk about that in, in just a little bit but there's a lot of lush beautiful production here and i think this is a really strong release man like i liked this a lot when it came out i think i was coming back to this a ton in january and february and when i just recently brushed up on it i actually think i like it as much as now as i did then to be honest the only gripe i'm gonna have here kind of out the gate is i think she sometimes can sound a little bit too much like her contemporaries again i'll give you i'll show you guys some examples as we kind of go uh throughout the track listing a little bit here but you know that's really my only gripe to this album i think this is an awesome release from halsey just to start like i love the track like clementine i think it's terribly sad uh, it's a really cool end, but also a really great depiction of kind of indecisiveness and like life contradictions. Because in my world, I'm constantly, constantly having a breakthrough <laughs> or a breakdown or a blackout. Would you make out with me underneath the shelter of the balcony? Cause I don't need anyone I don't need anyone I just need everyone and then some I don't need anyone I don't need anyone I just need everyone and then some Of course you see it in the hook I don't need anyone I just need everyone and then some constantly then she says a little bit earlier in one of the verses she says i'm constantly having either having a breakthrough or a breakdown or a blackout she's kind of just like all over the place to me it's actually like a cool dichotomy here i like i like her depiction of this sort of like i said this indecisiveness or this kind of potential like impulsivity to jump back and forth not really like have a clear motive here and the piano I love because I think it's just as stark and haunting as it is beautiful. It really kind of, you can really go both ways with it. You, you could see it as a really gorgeous piano chord or you could see it as a very deeply depressing piano chord. So, And then I just love the high pitch she uses in her hook. I think it actually adds, I know some people kind of have criticized that with this song. I actually like it. I think it actually helps the kind of, not immaturity, but really the but really kind of like a kid almost, like her inability to, like I said, make decisions. So I really like this track a ton. I think it was, it was a huge highlight for me. Graveyard is another amazing song. I think it was really great that she got to work with so many different producers on this album. And John Bellion is just, again, one of my favorite artists out right now, has been for the last few years. I can really see clearly like his production on this song, particularly like in the writing of the hook. I think it sounds just like, you know, the syncopations that a John Bellion would use. And again, I love the syncopation she uses in her vocals, like on the bridge. I think this is a really strong vocal performance from her. I love the beautiful acoustic guitar chords here. Another track I really like a lot is Forever. Is a, uh, it's a long time. Uh, I think the second half has this really gorgeous piano of an instrumental that eventually brings Halsey kind of back into the fold vocally with like some kind of washed out auto-tuned 
uh, crooning vocals. So that was another really cool highlight for me as well. And then personally, one of my favorite songs here is I Hate Everybody. Overall, this song is so damn raw. There are a lot of people out there that really depend kind of emotionally on others. And that's not really to say that's a bad or good thing. I'm just kind of conveying that that is, you know, of course, the case with some people. And I really do think that this is, again, a good depiction of that. I think the hook is kind of epic. I really love how the keys start getting a lot more loud and, and vibrant as, she, as her energy kind of heightens and she gets a little bit more passionate in her vocals. Yeah, so this is a really great, great track here. The interludes, I wanted to talk about that part big time too because there's three interludes on this on this project. They, in, in order, go in, as far as the track listing goes. Uh, one is with Dominic Fike. One is with Alanis Morissette. And the th last one is with uh, BTS and Suga. So to kind of double back to the first the first one Dominic Fikes Dominic Fikes Florida rapper singer songwriter he's worked with Brock Hampton in the past uh, on one of my favorite songs or my favorite song from last year Peach I've kind of grown to be a big fan of Dominic Fikes and was really excited to see him on this track listing and while this song's not terrible I do think it's disappointing because unfortunately it sounds like a bad remake of Dark Fantasy See what I mean there? Like, and this is kind of circling back to my original point of like my one drawback with this album is that she starts to kind of sound like some people. And this is where it kind of bought the, the this album starts to bother me just a tad. And this is one of the first places where we see it. Again, it just it sounds like a bad version of Dark Fantasy from my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy by Kanye. So I think the Alanis Morissette interlude is a total mess, in my opinion. I don't really see the point of this this interlude I, I don't find it a very appealing I, I think it's again I think Morissette her hook she provides here it sounds a little bit phoned in I don't think it's mixed very well definitely not a great interlude either and really the best of the three though in my opinion comes at the, uh, with the last one which is Suga's interlude with BTS and Suga uh, BTS I, I know is a K-pop or like a South Korean pop group 
I've heard them or heard of them. I don't really know. I couldn't tell you one song from them, even though they sing in what I believe to be Korean. I was with my assumption. I don't want to assume that, but uh, some kind of language that I don't understand. I at least think that this is a lot more sonically appealing than than the Alanis Morissette interlude. Uh, I really think that the instrumentals, actually, to be honest with you, I think it's pretty gorgeous. But again, like I, I don't know what these dudes are saying, but I don't get what Alanis is saying either, and, and hers is in English. So I'm going to give this a pass here and just kind of enjoy it for what it is in terms of like the sonic appeal. So, and then again, on another track like Killing Boys, all right, we see Halsey sort of use like the interpolation um, from Close to Me with uh, Diplo, Ellie Goulding, and Sway Lee. Again, you you hear it, you see my point. Uh, I like this. I actually like this track better than Close to Me, believe it or not. The contemporary thing doesn't bother me too much here because she actually is able to elevate it and bring it into like a actually like a cool kind of rendition of it. But where it doesn't work for me is on the track 3 a.m. We basically see Halsey kind of take her like best shot at like an Avril Lavigne impression, and I think it kind of really falls flat here. This is probably one of my least favorite songs, to be quite honest. don't like the mid-2000s kind of like jam punk rock that this is. I I think it's kind of a lazy song to me. I don't really like her vocal kind of interpolation at the very end of the hook. Yeah, it it just to me, it it doesn't hit for me. But a track that does, that's a little bit more in the back second half of the track listing is Without Me, which even though it came out in 2018, is still an incredible release and still one that I still come back to quite a bit. And then Beautiful Stranger is another amazing song. It almost kind of has a country influence to it with like that acoustic sound. I can't really tell who it really sounds like. It's a little bit Taylor Swifty, but I think it's better done. But essentially what I'm trying to get at it, like, like most artists, they definitely take influences, kind of interpolations from others and, and use their contemporaries and, and their peers as influence. And that's great. But if you're not doing anything different with it or elevating it in a way that's more creative or caters to something new, it doesn't really do much if, if you can't elevate it. So I think that she has some places where she hits that. Like I said, I think she really hits it on Killing Boys. I think that's a better use of it. And then songs like Beautiful Stranger, which again, have that kind of more country feel to it, but I think it kind of ends up being a better better track to me. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. So while this album has a really strong start and some, but then some misses in the middle, I think it ends pretty strongly for the most part. Um, I love the song more. Uh, this is a tough listen, just especially with the content, because it's really about her kind of her her so far inability to have children and a couple of miscarriages that she's she's gone through. Uh, and she basically the message here is kind of wanting what you can't have, and when 
you can't have it you even want it more uh, but this is like not kind of one of those things where it's like oh i don't have a that new jeep i want so now i want it more this is like something like very real so i i really feel that this is a phenomenally done song probably one of the best songs here i think it's touching it's just that even though it's a little uncomfortable it, it's really a raw moment and and that's really i think the saving grace to this album as well that while there's a lot of really great production here this all sounds really nice to sonically the moments that she's very real and very honest and raw is what really makes like elevates this album to being much much better than it really is and then still learning which is again one of my favorites as well and 9929 at the very end i get the sentiment of why she put it in it's a pretty fun tune but it doesn't really end the it ends the album on like more of like a like a joyful higher bouncier note it doesn't really do much for me substance wise so yeah i mean that's halsey's manic essentially i i did quite like this album i think the best songs here are still learning without me i hate everybody clementine and more i think those are by far the five tracks that i take away from this uh, amongst some others but i think the worst clearly here are the dominic fike and alanis morissette interludes uh 3 a.m again i just i just don't like the avril lavigne kind of punk style she's going for here overall though halsey has one of the, i think personally the stronger releases so far in 2020 out of this crop here i'll rank them at the end but clearly uh to me this one ranks higher than than m&ms for me as a whole uh i'm feeling like a like an 87 maybe like a like a like a low b plus uh i i do think that while there is some really great things about it it has some drawbacks that keep it from being quite an a uh or in that a range so solid release from halsey i'm still really listening to it a ton and definitely an album that people should check out if they haven't yet uh, especially if you like more mainstream pop sounds uh this is definitely an album that would be for you the next album which also dropped on again january 17th uh is mac miller's circles and this is the first posthumous release from the pittsburgh rapper i wish that i could just get out my goddamn way what is it to say there ain't a better time than today Producer John Bryan, who was really a, a big executive producer and has been working with him on swimming. Um, I guess this was supposedly supposed to be some kind of trilogy and that this album Circles was about 80% done. And John Bryan, I guess, took some creative liberties and, and or the liberty really to finish it for Mac. Uh, so I don't want to like really my grade on this album to reflect Mac Miller per se, because maybe this would not have been the finished product that Circles was had Max still been alive. But having said that, man, this is an awesome release. In my opinion, I think this is one of Max's better projects. I think this is great. But I think the best thing about Mac Miller, and I've said this about guys like Tyler, the creator, is that he's never made the same album. Like every album he's made is a little bit different. And while I think there's definitely some similarities to this to Swimming, 
it makes sense because it was kind of supposed to be a trilogy of some sorts, like swimming and then circles and then whatever's supposedly coming next. But I think that Mac really kind of took the time, or he was working with John Bryan to take the time to craft a legitimate like instrumentation. And and I love the live instrumentation here that is used. I think it's really dope. And it even kind of reminds me of uh, his Tiny Desk set, which I'm a huge fan of and uh, was featured in my blog post that I did when I, I talked about the Tiny Desk sets and, and uh, color sets that are my favorite. You should totally check out those blogs as well if you're somebody like me who's you know, dying for some live music to, you know, cool, uh, two cool platforms, NPR Tiny Desk and Colors to uh, stream right from your home. So if you ever want to see some live music, uh, definitely scroll through their catalogs. But anyway, uh, there's a ton of really cool different sounds here that he uses. And like I said, I love the instrumentation. Uh, There's really some really cool, like eclectic acoustic and keys that he uses. Then he even gets to like some heavy, like synth pop and like uh, electro pop sounds, which sounds to me like the the movement of like 2019 and 2020 like really getting into like this electric pop sound a lot of the subject matter has to do with like on this album too obviously has to do with like his mental health the drug abuse struggles that he was kind of having with right before he obviously passed of it and then of course like his desire to be like loved in a relationship and like by also his peers and his fans i know specifically he was pretty serious with a girl before uh he died and he had been kind of reeling from like the ariana grande stuff as well so it's really cool to kind of hear him talk positively about a relationship for sure and overall i think the the sound here kind of reflects it there are some sad tones but there's also a lot of like uplifting and sort of like positive tones from this album that kind of are a little bit contrasting with swimming how swimming was because swimming was a lot more rooted in in the depression this is almost kind of like a more of an uplifting sound so i definitely want to credit john bryan for really bringing this to the table bringing this this uh this sound to where it needed to be now i don't necessarily think this is a drawback or i don't mind this necessarily but mac definitely raps less here uh he definitely sings more on this album for all intents and purposes i wouldn't say he's the best singer because he's clearly not he has some pitch issues obviously but he's passable and like i kind of you know similar to the halsey record with that raw feeling and raw emotion, the the raw pain that he uses is able to kind of make up for some of the drawbacks and shortcomings he has with his singing. The only other gripe I have with this album is the one drawback. While some of these songs are so beautifully done, a few of them feel a little forgettable and lifeless because the instrumentals are so stripped back and bare. Like for example, a song like Circles, like the the opening song, and I get it's kind of trying to set a setting, the tone, a little bit but uh again it's just more of an acoustic ballad there's nothing a ton here i, I like some of the, the the messages but uh his vocal patterns this is where it kind of gets a little bit too grating for me i i'm really kind of questioning some of the choices that he made with the vocals uh, on this particular song but i think we bounce back super big here with blue world <laughs> Mad world made me crazy. Might just turn around to 180. I ain't politic and I ain't kissing no baby. The devil on my doorstep being so shady. Mm, don't trip. We don't gotta let him in. Don't trip. Hey, yeah. I let it go, but I never go with This is where, like, the moments where he uses the synth pop that really actually works well to his favor. I think, in my opinion, this song sounds a lot like maybe like his older kids stuff 
uh, from back in like 20, you know, 10 ish range. So, and he raps on this song, which is a huge highlight to me. I think he spits like so very effectively. Um, I like the line on the, on the hook where he's like, I ain't politic and a kiss and no babies. I, I thought that was kind of a, a cool tongue in cheek line there. And another track that I love, the next track in the, in, in the listing that really to me kind of shines is Good News. I think it has the most vibrant production out of like the most of this project and the most life to it uh, in terms of like it's kind of its melody and its groove. It's an extremely touching moment, really one of Mac's better vocal performances on the, on the album as a singer. I think when he doesn't overdo the singing, is when he shines. Do you guys, I think, do you guys kind of see what I'm, what I mean by that? Like when he overdoes the vocal, or gets like a little too whiny, like on a song like Circles, I don't love it as much. But when he's a little bit more stripped back, and a little bit less, he doesn't. He kind of just more delivers it simpler. It comes off better. And I, to me, I think Good News as well is one of the better like songs in terms of of, of the lyrics. Essentially, it's about like sometimes you just don't have good news when people ask how you're doing and a lot of us sometimes you know, when we're asked how we're doing i think there's really kind of two appropriate responses to that it's either good in you or fine in you and really what fine means is kind of like i have some shit i'm going through but like i'm not gonna you know spew that to you because you probably don't want to hear it anyway you're just being polite asking me how i am so i'm not gonna burden you with my day and so i think max kind of depicting that constant front that you have to put on uh, sometimes when people ask you how you're doing and, you know, some, you're, sometimes you're just having a bad day, right? Sometimes life really sucks. and But in the end, that that's okay and it could always be worse. So I think that this song, it really does a nice job of uplifting there. The next track, Everybody, it's touching, it's heartfelt. I, I really enjoy this track quite a bit. I love the simple snare and hi-hat combo. I think it's got a nice piano chord. Um, the context is even quite chilling a little bit given the subject matter, like basically saying everybody dies someday and yet, and then of course he died, so... That's kind of a jarring thing about this song, but it still, I think, even elevates it to an, another level. And then instrumentally, I think Woods is one of my fa absolute favorites. I love the ambient, but also kind of mysterious nature to this song at the same time. I think it really reminds me of, like, if I was hiking, like, you know, top of a mountain outside late at night, once, you know, camping overnight or something like that, like looking at the stars, I feel like I could definitely, like, I, it puts me in the woods. Absolutely. Let me know when you're leaving where you go. Do you believe me? Are you close? Yeah. Even if you don't, that'll get you wrong. Do I? Do I? the spacey eclectic synths that he uses and like the super glossy keys uh this is again one of my big highlights here and then a song like that's on me which i do like i like the sound of it a lot i like, like the indie vibe he's kind of going for The 
hook's a bit aggravating for me though. He says you know, with like the repetition of that's on me, it almost doesn't sound like he's saying that's on me, as you just clearly heard. So it, to me, the back end of this album it loses a little bit of steam. I think it's a little bit better towards the front part of it. I do, however, really, really like uh, Once a Day. I think that's a really nice closing song here. But Surf and Hand Me Downs, they're, they're beautiful instrumentally, but it kind of goes back to the, what I was saying a little earlier about songs that are really just a tad forgettable when you kind of break it down in the whole listing because there's nothing really amazing happening with any of these songs you know and then there's some missteps obviously i mentioned like that that's on me hook i don't care for uh the vocal sample on hands makes it sound like really almost unlistenable to me complicated is in my opinion a little, way too poppy i think it works on blue world but it doesn't really work here kind of has on like a, almost like a daft punk influence and there's just too much open space, though, I think is the part of the problem. And again, I'm kind of circling back to that same issue. There's nothing that's really different happening on some of these songs. There's no rise and fall or, or really anything that kind of keeps you t- totally engaged. Uh, it's just kind of a boring song. I think the worst two tracks here for me personally are probably complicated and definitely Hands. Hands is by far the worst one. And then the best tracks here, I think, are probably Good News, Everybody, Woods, Blue World, and then Once a Day. I think those tracks are are really great. So overall, I think there's so many high moments here, but the word that I have to keep using is kind of almost force myself. I'm not, I feel like I'm wanting to go back to it a ton. So I have to kind of keep that in mind a little bit. But having said that, I do really like this album. I think it's, I'm going to sit with about a B, uh, somewhere in the mid B, maybe like a 85, 86. I, I could be swayed into giving it maybe like a low B plus somewhere sitting similar with Halsey. I probably rank Halsey's album just a tad above this for the lone fact that I, I come I come back to it more, I enjoy it more. Overall, Mac Miller fans, I think, are going to be pretty pleased here. You know, again, I, I think it was a nice mix of, like, some stuff from, like, his old stuff with kids and swimming and maybe, like, the Divine Feminine. So if you're looking for, like, rap Mac, obviously you want to probably go back to his older stuff, like Good Morning and watching movies, but great project. Uh, of course, and very last but not least, I want to talk about Australian musician, singer-songwriter Kevin Parker, a.k.a. Team Impala, for his brand new project that he just dropped in February, which is The Slow Rush. This album's definitely like a cool listen. If you're looking for like an easy listening, something relaxing, just to kind of get you in like a more calm headspace and kind of something to kind of just sort of vibe out to and not really think about. Very like indie rock and almost like folk influence sounds at parts, but then there's also like some modern like synth style stuff and even like electro pop again, kind of that. Uh, it's just, like I said, just a very chill, relaxing album overall. Uh, and there's definitely like a lot of great tracks here. I, I love the song Breathe Deeper.
instrumentally, it sounds like a really like late 80s or early 90s soul jam. Like almost, it's very reminiscent of something like I feel like you'd hear at like a wedding. I love the lead single, Borderline. I think it's one of the most enjoyable and catchy songs here. I think the second half of the hook, when it gets to that little faster tempo, uh, is really where I enjoy this track quite a bit. This song is very rooted in like a heavy bass and heavy drum. Posthumous Forgiveness, I think it's another awesome song here. I think it's more synth-inflected with some keys and high-string guitars. And another track I really like a ton, too, is Lost in Yesterday. I think there's a ton of groove here. It almost has like a Prince or like Michael Jackson-type vibe. that influence and I think the guitar led with electronic sounds really works well here so there's definitely like some really good moments in the kind of first half of this album to me and where it kind of loses me though is more towards like the last three tracks like I, I probably could take the first nine songs here and kind of be done with it you know and kind of get rid of the, the last three like even a song like Instant Destiny, which I don't think instrumentally kind of is as creative and eclectic as some of the other ones, but I love the vocal performance here. I think it's maybe one of the best here. And where Tame Impala loses me a little bit, right? And this is kind of his his nature, right? His, it's more the sound and the instruments that get pushed to the forefront a ton rather than his vocals. Instant Destiny and Borderline are really the only two places where the vocals are like the forefront of everything right even though obviously times the vocals do come to the forefront in some of these songs it's not like the main part of it and the last three tracks here in the listing it might be time glimmer and one more hour have a ton of technical problems on them personally just with with the mixing and just kind of losing me a little bit like to kind of start with it might be time trying to do too much it has it's like this weird mix of like grunge and 60s like beatles influence inflections and then samples from sirens that almost sound like they're from like the kill bill 2 score the song has no real direction lyrically and like i know it, a lot of his music it doesn't have a, a huge direction lyrically and that's fine but there's just too much going on here it's a total mess of a song i don't like this song at all and then Glimmer feels like more of an interlude than an actual song, given the length of some of the structures go, the other songs, because a lot of the tracks here are like six or seven minutes. They have like this kind of slow build and tame, you know, his, his obviously his vocals are a little bit, like I said, in the background and then they kind of come to the forefront. This song doesn't have really any vocals. It has no direction. And then one more hour, again, we finally get something in the fourth minute of this song that's really like kind of interesting instrumentally. 
but the vocals are so pushed in the background and muddy that does again it doesn't feel like a song it kind of just feels like a like a weird ending with no direction and it's kind of messy so i don't love the ending of this project to be honest with you even though i love the first maybe like nine songs here i think it's overall a really cool listen but really the back end of it it leaves a lot to be desired this isn't an album where you're going to walk away from it like learning anything new, being taught a new lesson, or kind of like reflecting on life. You just feel it, you know? It's an album that you really just kind of sit with and you just vibe out to. And again, there's there's places for this kind of music, and I do genuinely like, like I said, a lot of the tracks here. I think there's a track like, for example, like some of my favorite tracks on this album, Borderline, Posthumous Forgiveness, Breathe Deeper, Instant Destiny, and Is It True?, I think some of these songs, you know, could eventually make like, you know, a list for me. It's possible. Uh, You know, one of these tracks could make it like a borderline I could maybe see being, you know, on there. But the worst songs here as a whole don't make this album like super memorable when you really like after you listen to it. So for me, I think it's kind of a high C plus or a low B minus to me. I might be generous and give it like an 80, but I don't love this album. And I think that Tame has done better in the past in terms of like songs that have really kind of stuck with me. So, but again, a really nice listen if you're looking for like an easy listen, something again that's more rooted in vibe. So yeah, that's kind of my first half here. So getting to kind of rank them, I think with these four albums, I think Halsey's is definitely going to be the best here. And then I think the second right after that is going to be Mac uh, with, with Circles. I think Eminem kind of brings up uh, third there with music to, uh, to be murdered by. Again, like I said, I think if Eminem had maybe left off like five songs, we'd maybe be having a different conversation, but that's kind of kind of sit in that three spot. And then uh, Tame Impala is going to be probably the, the bringing up the rear here. But again, still some really good positives to take from this album. So yeah, that's kind of my take on those four albums, man. And uh, so coming next, I have four more that I'm going to do from the first quarter and then I'll rank all eight uh, in total here but I think again like some of the biggest releases from the first quarter of the year first and foremost uh, Lil Uzi Vert Eternal Take I'm going to be doing that one and I know that's one that a lot of people are going crazy for right now Childish Gambino had a huge release earlier in uh, March or mid-March I should say so uh, called 31520 so I will dive into that album for you guys on the next episode and tell you kind of my take on that. Jay Electronica debuts his first album, A Written Testimony, his full-length project, and uh, which is on the Rock Nation label and features a lot of Jay-Z verses and collaborations. So uh, definitely one of my most anticipated releases for 2020. And we'll see, did that sink or swim for me? Well, I guess we'll find out. And then uh, 0705, which may be an, uh, an artist that not a lot of people know about, uh, dropped an album that I, in March that I definitely want to talk about as well called My Father's Gun. So that is coming up next. Uh, again, thank you so much for tuning in and supporting the show. And thank you to everybody that bought merchandise last week to support uh, the Boston Resiliency Fund to help people that are you know affected by the coronavirus and whatnot. So I really appreciate all the help and support with that. And yeah, thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. Really appreciate it. Again, please subscribe to our podcast, subscribe to our uh, to our blogs, follow us at Turntable Teachers on Instagram for all the latest. And again, this is Mike with the Turntable Teachers. Thank you again for tuning in. Class is officially dismissed.
Turn, 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 turn,